RVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Interesting trade. Obviously, we're in the middle of that holiday week. I had somebody describe it as it's a week of Mondays as you go between Christmas and New Year's. So how much is that being factored in as we look at end-of-year markets with the holiday trade? We're going to talk about this March corn chart, what we're seeing. And, of course, all the water cooler talk has been what's going on in the Southern Hemisphere. We're going to bring Brian Doherty on the air with us. He is with Total Farm Marketing. And, and Brian, let's start out, first of all, uh, looking at this March corn chart, you sent me a very unique and interesting chart to look at this afternoon. Yeah, Susan, thank you, first of all, for having me on your show, and Happy New Year. Um, I, I wanted to get that chart to you because the corn market's had a really good upturn in value lately. And you could point to, you know, many reasons why, potentially, and why it could continue. But I sent you the chart because today the market sent us a couple of signals that would have me Maybe a little concerned, especially if I'm holding a lot of grain or a lot of corn, that when, when do I sell this stuff or when do I make a sale? Well, we got a signal today. So the first signal is that the corn market finished a dime lower. It reached its highest point this morning on this rally that we've seen. you got to go way back to, to, to June. So our high today was seven, 617 and three quarters in March. Back on July 1st, we hit a high of 6 16 and a half, so we exceeded that that high, and then you go back to uh, June 11th before we were this high. So it's a long time since that high and this high, but we finished lower today, and today's trading range, Susan, was larger than the previous day. So that's called a bearish key reversal, and then you have a chart formation, uh, something that kind of, it, I look at it as a helpful guide to timing something called stochastics. It was signaling the market was overbought. And then within that overbought, until you get a, what they call a crossover signal, and, and depending which stochastic you use, but we got we got that signal today based on the stochastic numbers that I use, which are the three and 14 days. So, so we got a couple of signals, a bearish key reversal, a crossover in charts, a really good rally. When I say really good rally, back on the 30th, March corn is 562 and a half. Today's high, Susan, was 617 three quarters. That's a really good rally at this time of year. Um, so, so that's what we've got. It's a holiday week. We've had some push higher, you know, Friday and Monday. Now we have a signal. So that's, that's why I put a lot of emphasis on that chart today. You look at that, and I think there's a lot of a lot of producers that are kind of in this wait and see mode. They know that the last final trading day of the year comes up on Friday with the markets being open. But having said that, kind of the uneasiness of wondering which direction they should go. Do they still hold on to this grain? Do they try to do some marketing? What are some things and conversations you're having with folks? Yeah, great question. So if I if I could tell you, there's a theme. In, in talking to our producers, and we talked to a lot of producers, but one of the themes that I guess I would tell you that I've gotten the last couple of weeks is that, hey, you know what, doing nothing has kind of been working pretty well. Uh, I put in the bin, I really don't need cash flow, I probably look at it after the first of the year. Uh, all that kind of makes sense, given you know where a farmer is. He's done with harvest, he's got grain in the bin, it's in appreciating value, we sold grain, he really doesn't want the cash flow this year. Um, you've got some weather. 
And the, the key focus here will be the South American weather. And then you've got these other things out there, this other what I call, you know, background noise or music. You've got high fertilizer costs and input structure. And what does that look like for planted acres next year? And all of these things, that's why a lot of times I'll look for the market to give a signal. Um, so, so when I look at today, we got a signal. I don't want to neglect the signal and just say, well, you know, market has to go higher for this reason or that reason. It's a high price. This isn't cheap corn. Uh, we didn't get any bullish news out of the cattle on feed or hogs and pigs report. We've got a good ethanol market, but that can be finicky over time if those margins disappear. So I think it's a time when farmers need to kind of think about, hey, I take a hard look at this, see what it really means to my bottom line. And maybe you don't sell a lot, but you reward the rallies. That's why you stored. And you look at some of the signals to do that. Or you look at buying things like puts, put a floor in the market, leave the top side open. But take some action. I think it's time to do that. How is the Southern Hemisphere looking? We seem to hear a lot of different mixed conversations about how dry it really is at this moment. It's kind of like the U.S. in, in, in let's say, late June. You've got areas where you can talk about dry weather and pockets of dry weather. You've got areas that have adequate moisture. I would say as an overall, you can't take areas of too much rain, let's say central northern Brazil and southern Brazil, and say it's dry and average it and say it's an average crop. That doesn't really work that way. Um, I would say less than ideal at this point. I, I want to be really careful not to promote this idea that it's a La Nina year and you got net drying and southern Brazil, northern Argentina are going to stay dry. That could be the case. Forecasts seem to be indicating that there's chances of, of scattered rains, but I don't see any blanket coverage of rain in the dry areas. So a day like today could be a pause or a couple days pause before the market decides to, you know, let's say really make a leg higher. But I also want to point out that it's not quite late enough in the season that you can draw a direct conclusion to significant crop losses. It looks like there's a the market's angling towards some cross loss, crop losses in parts, and it's factored that into price already, or probably has factored that into price. Lots of things and lots of factors that we're going to have to continue to look at. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about this weather in the Southern Hemisphere. What type of pressure could it be putting on our crop? Remember, just a few short weeks ago, we were talking about some early harvest before the first of the year, and that comes on Saturday. We'll take a look at that. We'll take a look, too, at the livestock side of this trade action. We know we had that cattle on feed report and that quarterly hogs and pigs report that Brian just briefly talked about. We'll dive more into that and what it means demand-wise. It's a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. As you talk to your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer, they'll tell you our product lineup is second to none. Here's Eric Wasinius with Peterson Livestock near Oxford, Nebraska. I think a lot of it is as far as what really makes Fontenelle stand out is our product lineup. Um, we've got things that will fit in pretty much any environment or situation that we run into in uh, central Nebraska. To find out more about products or how you can become a Fontenelle Hybrids dealer, go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labs. Yeah. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Brian Doherty. He's with Total Farm Marketing. So when we left uh, for commercial break, we were talking about the weather in the Southern Hemisphere. And Brian, I know it was just a few short weeks ago, everybody was talking about we were going to start to see harvest numbers come in, some early harvest 
but it seems to have been on the quieter side. Is it kind of backed off to maybe into the new year? I, I think the focus, Susan, has been uh, kind of the bigger focus, and that is what what's weather look like. And the early heart, you know, there was a, a, a rational reason for the southern hemisphere producer, particularly in Brazil, to rapidly plant as fast as they could because there's premium to get harvested beans sooner than later and get them into the pipeline. And that all makes good sense. Um, that's still going to happen, but that's not the majority by any stretch of the imagination of the crop. Um, China has been continuously buying, just not from the United States. It ebbs and flows. But if they, if you were China, and I'm not defending China one way or the other, but if you're China and you can buy out of Brazil, maybe at a cheaper level for delivery in, in January or at worst, maybe early February, you're probably going to use that as an option um, uh, to secure inventory. So, so I think it's still there. Um, not quite sure the drier regions of let's call it southern Brazil. If those are the you know real strong foothold of early plantings, I'm sure there was. I, I know there's some in that area. So let's look at uh, weather here in the states. It's extremely dry in the Panhandle, um, Oklahoma into Kansas. Is that going to cause any crop concerns? at this point that you're hearing about? Um, it, it, you know, I, in my view of the world, it should. Um, now, right. last year, the drought monitor map looked pretty nasty, and there were some very, you know, harshly hit pockets of dry weather. But it was all said and done. Timely rains made the difference, and a huge difference. Um, yet, you kind of go into this year, if the, you, you got to start kind of keeping an eye on it in January because you think about well, how dry it was last year, and a lot of regions are not set for moisture. They don't have a full tank. So if this dry persists, um, and I'm not trying to be one of these people that draw these conclusions to history, but it does kind of remind me of 87 when it was dry throughout the winter, then went into 88 and it stayed dry. And and so you, you, you do have that as a potential. So when you look at the drought monitor map, you see some adequate moisture areas, but you see a lot of that dryness kind of creeping in and creeping in. And um, corn is a plant that can handle dry weather. Proved it again this year. Um, there's a still. Still, you need moisture and you need timely moisture. And if you don't have a good subsoil base, that, that gets the year off to an anxious start. So as we switch gears and look at the livestock side, we know 2021 was a demand-driven market, especially for these hogs. Uh, are we going to see that continue, do you think, into 2022? I, I'm not so sure about the demand-driven side, but maybe more the supply side. If you look at June lean hogs, they posted a new high today at $98. Um, hogs and pigs report indicated some drawdown, roughly 4%. Uh, higher corn prices. I think the general expectation is that over time, this herd with corn near $6 isn't going to grow. So does demand grow post-COVID? What does that mean anymore? I don't even know what that means anymore. It doesn't look like China, though, needs to come in and buy a lot of pork like was on the surface a couple of years ago or even last year. Uh, In theory, they're back to pre-African swine fever numbers, and they've got these monster-sized hogs. So you hear talks of uh, some of the Port farms, these mega farms, not doing well financially. Um, so I think it's more the input side of things that, that helps provide underlying support for hogs. Usually that's not 
doesn't lead to a bull market. The cattle, though, interesting enough, um, we've kind of argued that that pullback a couple weeks ago was really on the onset of this COVID. It seems like the market doesn't seem as concerned, even though cases are spiking. Cattle are holding pretty well. They're close to contract highs. They really don't have much of any weather premium factored in when we get what I call those evaporation days. Good. What is the best way for folks to get hold of you, Brian? Well, I, best is relative, but I prefer a phone call and just call and ask ask for Brian Doherty. We got a couple of Brian's here, and they can do that at 800-334-9779. Or if you want to shoot me an email, that works well, uh, Brian at totalfarmmarketing.com. Um, there's two M's in there between farm and marketing. So Brian at totalfarmmarketing.com, very easy there. It's Brian with a Y, though, B-R-Y-A-N. Uh, make sure you put a Y in there. Um, that's probably the easiest way. You can go to our website, click on our, you know, take a look there at our resources. You can contact me that way. Um, but love to, if you have any questions, just listen and see if we can't provide some value to you. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much. By the reminder, folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, so they're not suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.